Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is a video producer for Dicebreaker and a Twitch streamer. It's Alex Lodies. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So nice to hear that I'm an uh, interesting person. <laughs> yes, only interesting people are allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you have a big old topic and a natural one, I guess, given your job. Please tell us what you're going to talk about. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be talking about board games. Uh, surprise, <laughs> surprise. Um, yeah, there's like, you know, specific board games kind of growing up that um, I guess we'll touch on today as well. But um, yeah, board games have always been like a pretty massive part of my life growing up. And now I do it for a living. So kind of all makes sense i guess <laughs> so you gave us like three um board games in particular we we're gonna oh there's a cat um that we were going to talk about so i guess we'll just like start off with those uh-huh. so why did you pick these three anyway right so yeah about? you'd asked me before to pick three um so the three that i said to you were labyrinth enchanted forest and monopoly uh, i'll start with <laughs> the kind of I guess slightly lesser known ones just uh, because we couldn't probably talk about Monopoly Mm. for the rest of time but uh, (laughs) uh, Enchanted Forest and Labyrinth are like super kiddie games like um, I literally kind of had forgotten that they even existed um, until I was working in a board game cafe a few years ago and there was like a library of 700 games and uh, in the kids section they had those two games and I recognized them and I was like and I'd kind of like at at the time I was like you know I was never into like massively into board games before this job or whatever and then uh I saw those games and I was like oh my god actually I've always been into board games I literally used to play board games as Mm. a kid and these are two games I'd completely forgotten existed until I saw them on the on those shelves um so I actually bought them to play this weekend to remind myself because I hadn't played them since I was a kid and they are like very like kiddie like you know you could play them if you're four or five years old kind of thing like mm. you're just hunting for treasure and um like one of them the Enchanted Forest is like a kind of memory type game where you have to flip over trees and on the bottom of the trees there's like um like uh different um items from like fairy tales like the is it called a spindle is that the thing where is that no. what that's called <laughs> a spindle wheel thing <laughs> and there's like um it's definitely our thing so yeah, yeah. and like the the, yeah. the red little red riding ho- uh, hoods uh cloak thing like those kind of items mm. and you have to remember where they are under which tree and then um you have to like uh there's like a card and everyone's trying to find the different treasures first so like that's enchanted forest and the labyrinth is a kind of similar thing except that you've got these like tiles that you slide so it's like a maze you have to get around a maze looking for treasure but the maze keeps moving because you're sliding cards through the maze and stuff so like those were kind of i guess games that i kind of had like a vague recollection of uh, but i remember like really being into as kid as a kid but then monopoly is kind of the big one that like obviously everyone knows monopoly but like I was massively into Monopoly, like a ridiculous amount. Like nobody likes Monopoly, especially in the industry that I work in. Everyone's like, you know, Monopoly sucks. There's so many better games. But I still really like Monopoly because for me, it was like the game I played all the time. Like I used to play Monopoly by myself because no one would play with me. <laughs> yeah. I was, was going to say, games like Monopoly tend to require sort of a gathering of people, like a, a hat and a shoe and an iron and, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you, you need the full selection. Like it must, it, it's a, uh, and it's competitive, right? It's it's not a game that, that is collaborative necessarily. No, no I, that's the thing. I don't like co-op games though. I always get mocked about it at work because like, you know, co-op games have had like a massive like surge in the last few years in the board game world because like that's kind of ultimately what people prefer playing because they want to like, play something nice with each other that's not like where they don't where they aren't mean to each other but I grew up on Monopoly so I'm here to destroy you and Mm. that's what I want to (laughs) do I don't know if I got that from Monopoly but that's definitely you know I guess something that I like about it um I always like thing is like I always think a lot of people don't like Monopoly because they're not playing by the proper rules because a lot of people have like house rules for Monopoly and they don't they're not actually playing by the official rules uh, I mean, I might be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people I've spoken to, they're always like, oh, they have this rule and this rule. I'm like, yeah, well, that's not the actual rules. And that's why the game takes eight hours. Like, if you play it by the proper yeah. rules, you're going to go bankrupt and then the game doesn't take so long, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I used to play it 
we used to play it at Christmas at home. That was like the main, t- you know, like it's normal and a lot of families bring out like board games at Christmas. So that was like one of the games we had, we brought, I think, did we get it when I was like seven or something? Uh, we got Monopoly and we started playing it. And um, my dad was always very strict, like with the rules. So we played it by the rules and there was no cheating. And uh, although I'm, I'm sure my brother cheated, I'll be honest. Uh, but like, um, and then like after a few years, like, I, I, I don't know if that really happened, but I used to want to play Monopoly, like outside of Christmas and, uh, nobody would play with me. My brother was always like, oh, I'm just going to win. So I'm not even going to bother, which is a complete lie. Cause the only way he won was cheating. Um, so I used to like set the board up, right. And I would sit on one side and then I would pretend that one side was my mom, one side was my dad, one side was my brother. And I had like, I made up house rules to like, as in, essentially I made up rules as to how to play them as if they were AI. So they had a certain like set of rules they had to play by. Um, Like the ghosts of Pac-Man. I don't get that reference. <laughs> oh, really? They they all have they all have their own behaviors that they're set in. Well, yeah, yeah I think it was kind of yeah. like that, except they all had the same behavior. Um, <laughs> okay. So, like for example, do you know like a big part of Monopoly is like um, when you eventually are trying to buy properties of each other. Like the way that I dealt with that when I played by myself is that um, the general ru- rule was that you could buy a property from someone, but you had to pay twice the amount it was actually worth. Um, and that I just had that rule across the board. So that was like a way that I could play. That was like everyone played by the same rules. And like, you know, I could play by myself with four players technically. <laughs> yeah, I was very sad. That's people get this where people craft chess, you know? Like they play against themselves, they play against systems. Like that's how you become good at the game. Yeah, I'm still not good at that. I'm pretty sure I still lost. So <laughs> Yeah, I still lost somehow, but like, you know, I was just liked playing games really i never really got into like video games or anything because the only video games i ever really knew was like the ones my brother played which were like gta and a metal gear solid i loved watching him play but like i was a few years younger than him and i just i would just freak out and be like oh my god i can't do this well people are shooting me or i'm crashing this car i would like play gta and i would drive it as if it was a real car like i'd stop at lights and like just drive real slow like that kind of way i'd let people cross the road um so like board games were just more, more like my speed, I guess, like always. <laughs> I'm just curious as to how Monopoly led towards the kind of games you play today. Like where, where was the, like the transition point, I guess? That's a good question. Um, I actually had a friend um, who got me into like, I guess, modern board games as they're referred to now. Um, I don't really, I don't know how he got into them, but he brought over like three games one evening and was like let's eat pizza and play some games and um we played this game called munchkin don't know if you know munchkin but it's um it's a card game that a lot of people hate now um but that was like my first introduction and it's this game where like do the rules keep changing or something i don't really remember because i haven't played it since that first time but it's like that's a really nasty game where you're really mean to other people and um i think the rules might change throughout I don't really remember but yeah like that was one of my first introductions into modern board games and then I I never really thought anything of it because like that was that and then I this was in Ireland and I moved to Paris and I stayed with my friend for a while um on a sofa and I was looking at his like he had this like small bookshelf and I was looking at his bookshelf and I, I saw Munchkin on the shelf and I was like oh, I, I've played that game. Um, and then he was like, yeah, like, and then he showed me a couple of his other games and then he brought me to his like board game group, which happened like every two weeks or something. So I learned more games there. And then I think a while after I moved to London and I was looking for like a way to meet new people, I guess, because you know, like it's impossible to meet anyone, um, especially in London. And so I was like, I just looked up a board game group and there was one, in West London. So I used to go there every Sunday and it was just like a bunch of middle-aged men and me and uh, we play board games. And then, yeah, and then it just kind of like, just one thing kind of led to another, led to another. And I kept learning more games and enjoying certain games. And I guess, not, I think I enjoyed most games at the beginning, to be honest. I'm, I'm like, I'm fairly easy. I think now with my job, I'm probably a bit, and I've played so many games now, I'm probably a bit more, um, I guess, picky in some ways uh and I have like you know favorite mechanics and and favorite themes and stuff like that but 
for the most part, like I just enjoy playing games. So like the fact that I can do this for a living is great. Um, but yeah, it's just mm-hmm. like one thing kind of led to another. And then um, in London as well, then eventually I, I applied to be a games guru in a board game cafe, which was the place that had like a board game uh, library of 700 games. So I think most of the games I learned, I learned my time there because I had to I had to teach people the games. So I had to know them. Um, yeah, I just kept going, just kept going. One thing led to another, led to another. Uh, yeah. Also, like, it's funny because we brought our... So the first Monopoly I played was a German version and I we brought it over to Ireland. So, okay, this is a bit of background. I probably should have started with. Um, I grew up in Germany <laughs> until I was 10. <laughs> I was born in, uh, there and grew up there till I was 10. And board games in Germany are massive. Like, board ga- uh, I mean, Germany is the biggest place for board games, definitely in Europe, if not in the world. Like, they bring out the most amount, um, definitely... And they're just like a massive, massive market for it. Like one of the biggest board game conventions is in the world is in Germany as well. So like, I guess I was kind of like born into the world of board games in, in, in one way. And yeah, so we had like that Monopoly we had in Germany and we brought it over. And I remember then at some point playing the Irish Monopoly or like maybe the English one. It was like not the German one. And um, it's so funny, like, because the the money that you start with in Germany is so much more than you start with. I think it was the Irish one we had eventually. Um, Cause you, you start with like, I don't know how much you start with in the Irish one, but like in Germany, you start with like a few grand, like loads of money and everything's just like more money. I don't know. I just used to find that funny. Well, they change, they change monopoly constantly. They're like, they're monopolies that like exist within fictional worlds. Do you know, there are ones that aren't just based in like the one that I would have grown up was one of Ireland um and they have franchised it out beyond the sort of limits of possibility really yeah. you know like the, the the various different fictional monopolies that let you play in different worlds rather than ours do you know like they yeah. sort of are i guess i mean obviously they're just like they're a, a franchise product but i think it's kind of nice that um people are able to i guess buy off chunks of like Hogwarts or Springfield or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'll be honest, <laughs> I actually... the system works no matter where it's set. Yeah, I've not really mm-hmm. played a lot of the kind of non-original Monopolies, so I can't really, like, speak for them. But I know, like, I remember being really excited when at that board game convention in Germany, I saw there was a Sailor Moon Monopoly, and I was like, I mm. need that. Mm. I don't know what <laughs> it, this is or how it's different, but I need it. I didn't end up getting it, but, like, I kind of wish I did. But like there's loads, of, there's like Dragon Ball Z Monopoly, there's literally anything you can think of, there's a Monopoly for it now. Um, and I, yeah. As the I said, system don't... works, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are obviously buying it, otherwise they wouldn't keep making it. Um, I kind of, I'd be it's, intrigued it's to one try, of those things. but like, yeah. yeah, what are you saying? It's, um, it's almost like a, it's just one of those things that just appears in houses and you don't even realise how it's gotten there. Yeah. Like, we're not like a big board game house, but we have three copies of Monopoly in this <laughs> house. We have like a real one, a travel one and, oh no, sorry, like a city one, a travel one and Roll Down Monopoly. Roll Down Monopoly. Oh. Yeah. We actually haven't opened it to open it and play it, but yeah. Do not pass Willy yeah. really Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Do yeah. not collect 200 gold just, tickets. Because when we bought the house, we tried to like, in the, like, board games kind of like make a house a home kind of just having oh. some board games that shelf of board games yeah. so we're like okay yeah. we need to get a monopoly and like and we got to go for broke because we really like go for broke when we were young if you, do you remember that one it's like a hasbro one where you start off with the money and you have to lose all your money oh, right. by like betting on horses and um like buying expensive cars and losing them and stuff and you just it's whoever gets down to zero it's basically the opposite of monopoly that's um, really funny because we were get, talking about yeah. that on the we do a podcast every week on Dicebreaker and we were talking about what would be the opposite of Monopoly. I didn't realise there was already a mm. game that did that. I don't think I've heard of it. But it's yeah. a bit more kiddie and cartoonish. It's not It's not like property property. It's like, it's yeah. like a roll of dice, move around a board it looks and like you get to the end. Game of Life. I'm just looking at it here. It looks like it's, it's like exa- Game of Life. It's exactly like Game of Life. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. We were a big Cluedo house. Cluedo was our <gasps> one. And like yeah. Cluedo is still our yeah. game, our like house game. Um, I have very fond memories of forcing very prolonged Cluedo sessions as a child. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> obsessed with it. And I only watched the film Clue. Um, Jesus, it might have been during lockdown. 
And uh, I'm very glad that I didn't see it as a young child because I inevitably would have gotten completely obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love Cluedo uh, because it's agonizing. It takes forever. Like it's, it's a tension builder to end all tension builders, you know, and it encourages lying and deceit. And it is definitely not a game about collaboration. It's a game about winning. And I think a lot of those early board games are just about winning. They which are, I, yeah, yeah. I, kinda, I find it kind of refreshing, you know, like I enjoy collaborative work. Obviously, I enjoy collaborative games um, and like fiction games and things like that. But at the same time, love to win. Yeah. love to uh, love to win a friend yeah. of mine has a, a jumper that says like um this is a co-op game but i'm winning or something like that and i was like <laughs> i need that jumper because that's so me like i just love i want to be i think even if we're playing cooperatively at the end of the day somebody's still doing it better you know <laughs> in my head and it's probably me <laughs> always even in playing like role-playing games somebody's winning yeah like yeah. somebody, somebody will find a way to become the main character. Yeah, you yeah. know, I love it when I love when somebody does that. So I kind of be like, I'm just going to sit back and watch you be brilliant at this. Yeah. You know, like you don't always want to win, but somebody has to mm-hmm. in order to make the table feel compelling. Otherwise, like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's <laughs> I feel like introducing a little healthy competition is no harm at all. And yeah. Cluedo especially because it's a game cultivated around secrecy and like intuition. Mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, it's a really fantastic, fantastic game. I do definitely have a Sherlock clue around oh, here from amazing. the great Benedict Cumberbatch years of my life, uh, 2011 <laughs> till about 2013. Um, and uh, I have a copy of the Gormenghast game, board game as well, which is an incredibly specific, uh, <laughs> weird gothic novels by a guy called Mervyn Peake, which was made in 2D video for the BBC. Very, very niche. Yeah. Um, and the game itself is a beautiful object that I have fucking no idea how to play, you know? And I feel like there are lots of games like that that are really oblique, mm-hmm. but visually very nice to look at and all the pieces are nice to hold. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know how it works. I think especially Most like um, like in the way board games have gone now, uh, because like board games have become more of like a mainstream thing, like as in there's, there's a lot hmm. more coming out and there's a lot, of more people making them as well because of things like kickstarter there's like more opportunity for like pretty much anyone to make a game and also board games like especially when you compare it to like video games you don't you can just make it with like bits you've got lying around the house you know you can make a prototype with like anything um and then you can kind of go based off that so like there's a lot of games coming out now that are just pretty and there's not really anything to them but like you know Mm. Like I've got a big, ga- I've got like a Calax, a big Calax full of um, uh, board games, and it's like you know, it's I don't really have a, a bookshelf like that, but you know, it kind of has almost replaced like in some people's homes, like their board game li- library has replaced their bookshelf library, and it's like something to look at and to kind of, yeah, looks nice uh, rather than just like you know necessarily just play it or whatever. Um, but actually, when you were talking about Cluedo and you were saying there was like that kind of um, intrigue kind of thing to it. Have you ever played any like hidden role games like uh, Werewolf or anything Oh like yeah. That? yeah, I have and I am, I, Jesus Christ, I remember playing one where you're like in a fucking like haunted house and you build it out and one person is the like fucking oh, ghost. Oh, the trail of the house on the person. hill. Something like that and I, and then if you are accidentally that person, you have to play like an entirely different game to everybody else. So that's a betrayer game. Yeah, that's slightly different. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly stressful. I love um, this <laughs> I was thrown into it completely with a bunch of people I didn't really know. And I was kind of sitting there being like, I am not capable of, of uh, this is not it for me. Um, but I think, I think like most things, it depends on who's at the table. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's. I've played games before, and I've been like, "This is a terrible game." And I've given it another chance, and I've played it with different people. And I've been like, "This is a great game." And it's also been the opposite, where I've been like, "This is a great game." Then I played it several times after that, and I was like, "No, this game sucks." Like, what was I thinking? Turns out I just like my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turns out it's just the people. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like people can actually make or break a game for sure. Yeah. Mm. And those those narrative setups, like the betrayal and things like that, that are. Uh, that operate around hidden information are really really compelling because mm-hmm. you sort of when you sit down with people you have to enter into this sort of silent agreement with them where you're like okay we're just gonna I guess it kind of calls into question like what play is right yeah. mm-hmm. you know and 
the little fictions that we build between each other when we're trying to figure out, you know, which weapon is in the envelope or who's the ghost or who's the werewolf. Um, it's a, it's in, it can be quite intense. Yeah, you know, it's draining. Like, yeah, it can like those dra- those games can be. There's a there's a, um, a hidden role game kind of like that called Secret Hitler. That's one of my favorite games of all time, and it's in my mind, it's the game that has done like hidden role games the best out of all of them. Um, a lot of How people. Does it work? It's it's kind of right. So the way it works is, um, some of you are liberals and some of you are fascists, and one of you is Hitler. And um, hear that, the, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the fascists know who each other are, depending on the number of players. Hitler may potentially know who the others are, um, and the liberals don't know who anyone is. And uh, throughout the game, um, you elect somebody as president and somebody as chancellor, and they draw like these three tiles, which have like liberal or fascist agendas, and. Um, Oh, I, can't, I can never remember. What, I think the president picks up three agendas and looks at them in secret and then will discard one and give the other two to the chancellor. And the chancellor looks at the last two and picks one to place down. And that's the like agenda that gets pushed or whatever for that for that um, turn. And like, obviously, the liberals are trying to push liberal agendas and the fascists are trying to push fascist agendas. Um, but at the same time, the fascists are also trying to like stay hidden from you know, that they are fascists. So like, but also like the deck is heavily stacked in favor of fascists. So sometimes a liberal has to play a fascist agenda, you know, against their will. And like, then there's a discussion as to like what cards were drawn and why something was played. So there's a lot of lying and deceit and like, um, just shouting and you can't trust anyone. You don't know who your friends are. Like, and at the end, you know, at the end of the day, like after a few rounds, depending on how many like agendas are down and how many fascist agendas are down, um, if Hitler becomes chancellor at a certain point, like the fascists can win the game early. There's loads of like loads of different things also depending on the number of players and stuff. But it's th- like that's kind of the, the basics of it. And it's it's hard work because because um, you're kind of like constantly like trying to look around the table try and figure out who's lying to you and who your friends are and sometimes mm-hmm. the people who you think your friends are aren't actually your friends and it's like it's exhausting but it's also like a lot of fun um this is it there has yeah. to be like play, like there has to be a kind of a, a silliness in it right yeah. like there the agreement that you enter when you play games with people is is one of like it's like you build a miniature sort of forgiving world right? Oh, yeah. in yeah. what happens in this game and then you leave it. I remember playing a game well, many, many years in the past of Cards Against Humanity that oh, went yeah. so <laughs> south. Oh my God, Ooh. at a Halloween party. The, it was, it was about, never again, do you know? Like never again. Now, we was in the States and myself, um, my partner and our friend, um, Christina, and our costumes were fabulous by the way like our costumes were (laughs) only people to take it seriously were like she was dressed as sonic the hedgehog harry my husband was dressed as like a sexy cat and i went full marie antoinette like 100 percent white wedding dress white wig like the i never have to try for halloween costume ever again that was it (laughs) and we were in the corner like stirring shit basically and uh it, we're watching the other because there were so many people at the party that we had to sort of play the game in pods rather than as individuals and um because we ferocious thick skins <laughs> however we were the most thick skinned at the, and watching the other pods break out into arguments about the appropriateness <laughs> of certain cards like it, it was just an absolute yeah. absolute disaster um absolute disaster and something that i thought was interesting we, we remember talking about this afterwards it was like the, the the fault in something like Cards Against Humanity is that, you know, there are some games that are meant to drive people apart and like meant to kind of cause an, an, a complicated discord is that it, it makes the jokes for you. Yes. You yeah, know? that's my problem. So with that much song, is yeah, in yeah. the right. Like, yeah. So you're, you're left with all these dick jokes and you're like, well, thanks. Uh, that sure was witty of you, you know, mm. and um, I'm interested in the in the, the kind of granular writing of these games, because everything comes down to the tiles, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and everything comes down to these tiny sentences that are meant to charge a room full of people, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, so in something like the Secret Hitler game, I'm like, man, somebody must have written that with like a scalpel, you know, <laughs> somebody must have put that together really tightly. Because the stakes feel so much higher in that, as opposed to if you're just trying to figure out who the werewolf is. Yeah. When it's like, because like it's actual kind of, I remember seeing, uh, you know, Overboard on Polygon play Secret Hitler. Oh, and they got really it. stressed out. They got really stressed out playing it. Yeah. They really did not want to be the fascist or to be Hitler. Like, oh, they, I love being the fascist really and I love being Hitler, <laughs> oh, really? yeah. which is really bad for me to say, because as I say, I am German. So like for me, that's uh, I shouldn't really be wanting to. <laughs> yeah. to it's funny, actually, because um, so Secret Hitler, I think they distribute in the UK now, but they didn't uh, when I wanted to get my hands on it a few years back. Mm. And my brother lives in America. So um, like it's a US, the US company who make it. And so I wanted to get it and it was coming up to Christmas and I kind of said to my brother, I was like, if I get this order to your house, will you bring it over? Will you bring it like home for Christmas? And he and I told, you know, I said like there's this game called Secret Hitler, blah, blah, blah. And he was he just went crazy. He was like, what? Like, what kind of game is this? Like, so it's like some I'm quite I'm quite um, I guess I don't bring it up too much, especially if I know there's Germans around, because I like I guess some people will kind of take offense to it, like just the title. But at the end of the day, it's like it's kind of you know shining a lamp on like that this was bad you know it's like um i don't know it's not mm. it's not like saying you know fascists and and hitler was great it's not like putting it in that kind of light so i don't think there's any need to to be like ups- yeah. upset oh, yeah, about like, it, it yeah. or anything like that. yeah yeah it kind of shows how you can get there because like, i say monopoly was originally called like the landlord game it yeah. Was a yeah anti-capitalist game it's yeah like didactic games are a thing i think yeah but that's how it has to work like it's it's a like there are games that they they kind of have to exist in this sort of polarity space in order for interesting things to happen you know and recently i kickstarted a couple of games that are one player which i uh did not know were a thing Mm. but um they are uh the first one was called um there's amending oh oh my god i backed that as well one I've just picked up my postcard. Yeah, I can't ah! wait. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I backed it as well. So, and I never back anything uh, on Kickstarter. That was like the third thing I ever backed on Kickstarter. Well, I, I backed their first game, which was um a field guide to memory. Right. Um so uh Shin uh, Kapoor, I think their last name is. Um I should know this. We have the same we have the same agent. We definitely are socially connected in some way. Amazing. Um but they um we're collaborating with another um, game developer to, to build this thing called the Field Guide to Memory, which is a one-person RPG. Right. Um, which every day for two weeks they would send an email that instructs you how to create this game journal, and the fiction that they're playing within is about a, a cryptozoologist, a person who studies dead cryptids, um, who is on this journey to find this one particular kind of cryptid. And you, in the role in this game, are their assistant. All right. So they, uh, the game developers, email you every day in character with um, notes and fragments and pieces of this doctor's life. And you respond and you build out a, a journal. That's the game. Is that you build this narrative in response, like in your personal narrative yeah. in response. And you build a character and whole shebang in response to these daily prompts which i just think is an incredibly beautiful way to build a a, a role-playing game and it's very intimate so amending is i believe to be something similar but it involves map making yeah and sewing a route between yourself and another character literally sewing a route on a map um so i'm really really excited i got my first postcard in the post just there and it is uh very exciting i i I, got mine sent to my mum so it's going to ireland so it's probably there now Ah. but i won't see her for another while so (laughs) i'll have to wait for you it'll be right before you yeah exactly yeah i love that but i love that idea of of reducing a all the way from me being like i also love to fight people over board games (laughs) i do like the idea of, of what you can accomplish when you're playing alone as well yeah i like one player games is an interesting thing because I haven't dabbled much in one player games. There's a lot of games that like give you an option of one player and um, well, not a lot, but there is, you know, games that give you that option. And I've never really dabbled in it much. Um, like Roland Wrights are quite an easy one that you can do one player. So I've done that a little bit on mostly on flights when wheels wouldn't play with me, <laughs> my colleague. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like RPGs as well. Like 
I was quite new to RPGs when I when I started working at Dicebreaker. So like most of my um I guess exposure to it has been through working at Dicebreaker. So it's been like as part of a bigger team and we play like, you know, five player RPGs. And so I've not really dabbled a huge amount, but amending um I remember like that was something that we discussed on the podcast and during the podcast I went and I backed it like in the middle of it because I was like this sounds so good and like it's so different and um, I quite like you know sewing and doing crafty things like that so to bring that in and I don't know it just kind of piqued my interest and you never know like if I really enjoy that I might you know look more into that kind of thing but this is kind of going back to like how Kickstarter is really changing the way like board games work nowadays because you know, yeah. that's, that's a, I think she's an artist. I follow her on, on Instagram, the, the, the woman who's doing amending. Um, I believe she's an artist. Um, yeah. She just kind of like. A visual. Yeah. Like, bits and pieces. Uh, the, the way um, they were describing a, uh, their practice is making keepsake games. Yeah. That's so it. Yeah. games that like are oriented towards the object mm-hmm. and the idea of a kind of an intimate and precious experience that you have with with it which I think is I just think it's really compelling I think yeah. it's a really beautiful approach um and it kind of lives in like I was saying that the Gormangas game kind of being like I I think it, this is a beautiful object but I have no idea how to use it whereas the approach of it of amending is this is a beautiful object and I'm going to tell you how to use it yeah and we're going to build something beautiful together you're going to make you're essentially going to make the beautiful object I think there was um she's got oh. like pictures of the Kickstarter of you being able to wear it as like a scarf and things like that once you know mm. you've done it which is like just so so beautiful and like as you say like it's it's called like a keepsake thing because you just have something at the end of it that you can like mm. hold and kind of you know look back on whatever you made yeah. yourself yeah there's like a lot because of journaling like so much... things as well yeah yeah like I'm really interested in journaling games and I'm really interested in the idea of like so, so many games I've played across tables where people are fleeting, right? Mm-hmm. So you you have this sort of experience with a game and it's in, like Christmases with Monopoly or Cluedo or Game of Life. And, you know, particularly in my, in my family's case, there's a game of Trivial Pursuit from the 90s, which is still wheeled out. <laughs> Like the nineties is like fucking thirty years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's no way any of us know like any of the answers to these questions. <laughs> uh, they are not contemporary. But the object itself is so worn and so beloved and has sat in the middle of the family table winter on winter as we kind of go back to it, right? So it becomes talismanic in that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I feel like there are probably households all over the world that have that very same thing with Monopoly where everyone has their designated thimble, their designated car, their designated little tiny Scotty dog, like who plays as what returns, right? But so much of how we play with people happens in the evening or in the instance, and then it is fucking gone. Yeah, that's true. It's like we had the sesh, it was gas, we have recollections, end of story. It's a ephemeral like experience, whereas work like amending or um the field uh field guide to memory it's sort of like, having something that you can take away like i remember filling in um not monopoly sheets sorry cluedo sheets as a kid and at the end my mom being like oh it's gonna get rid of the sheets yeah like, i still I keep score sheets. sheets as well yeah yeah i wrote mm. all my secrets i wrote all my like, no <laughs> and it's just a couple of marked squares but in that moment it's sort of i don't know it's weighty yeah yeah you're right you're right I'm I'm interested now. What what did you what did you two used to play as uh, or play as now when you play Monopoly? Oh, thimble. Thimble. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I try get dog, but I really I take whatever is left. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I let everybody else choose their thing first. Then... What do you play as? So like when when we were growing up, um, I don't know why, but uh, my dad decided that you had to choose something, then you had to explain why you cho- chose it. So like he used to play as a thimble, so he could count his money. Um, I I think I I kind of copied him a little bit. I I picked the wheelbarrow so I could carry all my money. <laughs> <laughs> I know my mom used to play as the old boot, which I don't remember what her explanation was for that. Um, but that's what she played at. And my brother always played as a sports car, which I think is very very uh, hey, telling, mm-hmm. very telling of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like that makes a lot of sense now, even considering you know 
what, what he's become. Like that never occurred to me that the, that the, the thimble is like a money counting object because like my Nana was the seamstress and she also she collects yeah. decorative thimbles. So I always thought of it as a sewing object, but it is also an object for counting your money. <laughs> I think it's more of a sewing object, but yeah, like um, that's why he amazing though. Said it, yeah, that's twist. <laughs> could never have could never have put my put my head on it. Um. Yeah, man, Monopoly is one of those things, and it, it does, in my experience, brings out the absolute worst in people <laughs> as well. <laughs> like it incites a nice kind of drama at the table. Oh my god! So you I know? played. Um... So because I, I stream on Twitch, um, I, uh, a friend of mine um, who also streams on Twitch, he did this thing, Drunk Monopoly. He did it, I said, was it before Christmas or maybe just, I think he did it before Christmas sometime. And it was the funniest thing ever. Like essentially they had these like rules where I think whenever you pass go, you had to have a shot. Whenever you, somebody, whenever you landed on somebody's property, you had to have a shot, all these things. And obviously then like the community could also pay for you to do shots. So I watched it and I was like, this is the funniest thing ever. Can I have a go? So we d- did that and we, I think was at the end of February or something like that, maybe March, um, we hosted a co-stream where we played Drunk Monopoly and it was really bad. Like I had to, uh, I essentially didn't drink for like four months afterwards because I got that oh, bad. No. I had to, um, <laughs> oh, I, had no. to I had to, uh, I had to instead of like ending the stream like I usually would by being like okay I'm gonna go now I lay down on the floor and I just press the off button on my PC (laughs) (laughs) it was so bad and I honestly was like I really enjoyed that but the thing I was most annoyed about about that was that I was about two turns away from winning the entire game two of the lads had already been knocked out and it was just me and my friend Kelsey left and I had everything because I'd made the other two bankrupt. So I had all their stuff and all the money. And Kelsey had like didn't have much. So it was like guaranteed I was going to win. If I'd just been able to like hang on for another like couple of turns, I would have won. But I was literally like I was in a bad way. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and I'm not a big drinker. Like I think that's part of it as well. Like I don't really drink much. But like um, I obviously went a bit mad that day and... Uh, and haven't really been drinking much since. <laughs> I feel like they hold they, they they hold it. Do you know what I mean? There's every so often I mean, and in my experience, there's no drinking like board game drinking either because I, I rules stress me out. So I and any sort of collaborative playing, I tend to need a bit of help um, to to move on with. My sister plays um, a lot of word games mm-hmm. uh, with her partner and her friends, and I am. Um, endlessly frustrated by shit like Bananagrams and Obama Lama and all these rhyming yeah. games because oh. I do I like language a lot and um, that's my, my job is making mm-hmm. things up I, I love words um, but I find the I find the interaction with others bit when it comes to things like Scrabble and I, f- I find that really really challenging and I do tend to need to drink to do so I don't <laughs> at all blame you for for uh, needing a, a help. You know, I used to work for the company who made Obama Lama. No way! Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. The big potato games. I used to, I used to be on their sales team, and I used to sell it to Ireland. So, hey, um. well, it absolutely has worked <laughs> on my family at large. Uh, both Obama Lamas are are regular staples uh, oh. in in our family. Um, I am not good at them, but I enjoy watching other people be good at them. Um, <laughs> yeah, Obama Lama was one of those games where I used to like, it, it was, it certainly was at one point like their best selling game. Um, and uh, obviously I haven't worked there for a couple of years, so I don't know what the case is now, but uh, it was for a long time. And uh, it was one of those games that I know people really enjoyed, but I never really liked it myself. Like it wasn't really my cup of tea, but it was that kind of same energy as I like articulate or something, doesn't it? Or you like just shouting and there's timers and oh it's just stressful <laughs> you win by being witty and like i much prefer to do that in the dead silence of of my twitter dashboard than <laughs> over a table of people it's a it's a waterstones board game isn't it like that's where anywhere i've seen it has been like waterstone so it's for that kind of person oh it's a bookstore sideline yeah for sure that's where i got my discord board game was in waterstones as well so discord board game is going to be played that no no it's so it's basically it's one of those ones where you have like you pick a card and you have like five different roles and nobody knows what the other person's goal is. So everybody has a different win state. Oh right. And you, just, and you have like a city map. It's really fun. What's it called? And is Dis- it all the Harry uh, Pratchett stuff? It's just yeah, it's based on it's based on Discworld. Discworld, yeah. right? 
Okay. I've yeah. heard of it. I've just never played it. Pretty mm. sure. If it's the it's same. Pro- it's, it's probably based on some existing thing. It's just like a reskin of something else. Mm. But like it's one of our like four board games that we have. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to have a staple, don't mm. you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you playing a lot of right now? Like what, what kind of games are you loving at the moment? Uh, that's a good question. I'm playing, um, there's a game called Gloomhaven. Um, have you heard of it? Yeah, I ring the bell. Yeah, it's um. So there's, it's massive. It's as in like size wise and just how long it takes. It's it's kind of like um. So it's kind of weird because it's based on like a video game. So um, you play as like your character. I play as this kind of brute. Um, I'm like the big guy who runs into a room and like does loads of damage. Um, and then there's like other characters like the scoundrels who just like is really quick but small. Um. And kind of like picks up all the loot, um, and it's it's a dungeon crawler, is what it is. Um, and so you're going around like fighting monsters and trying to collect treasure and like level up and stuff like that. And it came up came out in like 2017, and it was massive on Kickstarter. It was I think at the time maybe the biggest, uh, like board game backed on Kickstarter. It made like I think it made like over three hundred thousand dollars or something. But they recently, as as in like 2020, um launched the sequel Frosthaven which is now the highest earning board game I think oh. it made like just under 3 million was it I don't know it was a lot yeah wow uh, in 30 days like so anyway I'm playing wow. like the digital version of that because I don't own the physical version because it's like it's a big commitment you'd be paying like 150 pounds and um because it's like a campaign, you kind of need to make sure that the same players are going to show up all the time. To like, kind of, I guess you can kind of swap in in and out. But like, ideally, you want to have like and a core group of players. A group. Play. And does it require a games master, or like, how does it work? No, no. So you each just play your own characters, and you have like a set of cards, and um, your cards have like two actions: a top action and a bottom action. So you choose two cards to play, and you have to play one of them as the top and one of them as the bottom. And um, like each. There's like quests, I guess. Um, so each quest is different and it's got like a different map layout and different monsters you got to fight. And like sometimes the aim is to kill all the monsters. Sometimes the aim is to find a specific treasure. Uh, there's like, you know, each quest has like different things. And like the actual board game plays as a campaign. So like everything you do influences the game and the future of the game. So like everyone who's playing it is having like a different experience because no one is playing it the exact same way because like what you do influences yeah the future games and like how your characters are seen in the world and everything um so it's, uh, it's really interesting like but um the way i'm playing it because i'm playing the video game version of it at the moment um which is exactly the same it's just digital um uh, but they don't have the campaign mode on the digital version yet so i'm just playing like random quests but it's the same kind of idea um, so that's what I'm and playing. Do you prefer games oh, yeah. that are sort of self-guided in that way? Or do you prefer like lead games? Like with DMs and GMs and I things don't like mind. that. Like which, yeah. Yeah, I, I like RPGs. Like I'm, as I say, I'm fairly new. Like I only got into them about two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago. Like which I guess it, when you compare it to like how long I've been into board games, it's like fairly new for me. Um, I enjoy yeah. them, but I think I do prefer just like being able to, to do i i don't really like being told what to do (laughs) so so like being able to just um play that kind of game where everyone's kind of on the same footing i guess is a i think i slightly prefer it but i do like i love D &D, um and we've played some really fun like rpgs we played one that's like quite a new one that came out or is it is it on kickstarter at the moment uh called animon which is like um an RPG that's kind of based on like Pokemon, like kind of Digimon Pokemon kind of thing where you play as a little kid and you create your little creature friend and that's got special powers and you like go and fight things. Um, yeah, I, li- I do like that kind of thing, but I'm yeah, I'm not as well versed, I suppose. I haven't had that much exposure to it. But yeah, mostly, mostly it's board games for me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Gloomhaven is one I've been playing loads, and then um, my favorite is a game called Star Realms as well, which is a two-player deck building game. Ooh, like deck building, like trading off, or what way does that one work? So it's not like I think 
yeah, it's it's um you ha essentially you start with the same cards. So you start with eight vipers, which do damage, and two scouts, which give you like money to spend. Essentially, there's like a trade row in the middle, which you both have access to, and you can buy better ships and like outposts. It's a, it's a space themed game, and um you every time you buy a card, it goes into your discard pile. And so when you run out of cards in your deck, you shuffle your discard pile, and that becomes your new draw deck. So you keep reusing the same cards again and again. So the whole point of the game is to like get rid of your bad cards by scrapping them and buy really good cards so that eventually when you're drawing cards, you're just drawing like good cards. And you each have like authority, which is essentially the same as health. Um, and you're trying to get your opponent down to like zero or, or less. And you both start with 50. Um, it's like a really simple game. It takes about 15 minutes to play once you once you know the cards. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like my all-time favorite game. I've been playing it for six years, and I, yeah, I've got thousands and thousands of games under under my belt. I do tournaments and stuff, which I never win. It's not impressive. I come last all the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, it's it's I'm obsessed with it. Proper obsessed. <laughs> so if you if a listener were to start somewhere, would you recommend starting there? Like, where would you direct people to if they were thinking about like if they were regular Christmas time players in Monopoly who are considering <laughs> expanding their shelves. Because um, I've stood in front of board game sections before and become completely overwhelmed. It's a lot. Like, yeah. then, I just buy, then I just buy a flux deck and leave. And then yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming, definitely, especially if you don't really know what you're looking at. Like even when I go to board game shops or a place that has board games, if I don't recognize the titles, I'm a bit like, oh, like... Am I interested in that? I don't know. Somebody tell me, please. Um, <laughs> like, my recommendations would be, like, if you're looking for, like, a two-player game, um, Patchwork is really simple, uh, like, as in simple rules, but, like, there can be de to depth to it, like, once you get into it, which I always, for me, those are, like, my favorite kind of games. Really easy to pick up, but, like, you can kind of get more strategic into it if you want to. And that's, like... Essentially, the theme is like a quilting game, but it's like um, you get a board and uh, it's almost like you're collecting um, Tetris pieces and you're trying to fill up your board without having any holes in them. Um, very, very simple. Um, but that's like just made for two players as well. So, uh, again, if you're looking for like two player games, a lot of um, a lot of times the best thing to do is to buy games that are made for two players rather than games that are for like two to four players, because those are usually made for the higher like the three or four players in mind and they've just kind of said oh yeah you can play this with two players as well and like sometimes they work well most of the time though they're better with like more player counts um and then if you're kind of looking for more players like if you're looking for like let's say four players is kind of the most common one i guess um there's so many <laughs> i think one of like this is a funny one for me to suggest because anyone who knows me knows that i do not like ticket to ride but having said that is a game that a lot of people enjoy and I'm very aware that people enjoy it. So it's one that I do recommend. It's like a, a game where you like uh, try and complete train routes. Um, the original version is like set in America, but you can get Europe as well and, and different versions. There's even a London one, which makes the game like rather than being like 45 minutes, it makes it a 15 minute game. Um, and I think there's a New York one as well, which kind of does the same thing. but that's like quite a good one. I think that goes up to four players. Or if you're looking for a co-op game, uh, that's kind of the same player count. Pandemic is a really good one. Um, that's another like kind of well-known gateway game. And it's kind of almost known as like the birth of co-op games, that one. Um, How does it work? Uh, so in that one, actually... <laughs> Me, me suggesting pandemic during a pandemic is probably not a great, <laughs> great thing to do. But uh, funnily enough, the sales of the game have gone up during the pandemic. So um, I hope nobody's taking offense. But it's a game where you are trying to cure diseases and try and stop a pandemic from breaking out across the world. Uh, <laughs> Astonishing. <laughs> There's like different color cubes on the board and you each have like different job titles which give you special abilities um like being a medical officer or other ones that i don't remember and um you're trying to get rid of the cubes and find cures for all the diseases if you want to like not, you know stay away from that theme the same person who invented pandemic his name is M matt leacock he also came up with forbidden desert and forbidden island 
which are also co-op games and are just as good. So like you could also check those out if you um, want to stay away from the whole pandemic theme. Um, and then I think if you're go looking for like bigger player accounts, Camelop is one of my favorites. Have you heard of Camelop? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. okay. So Camelop is like, I think it goes up to eight. Actually, am I lying? Might only be five players. No, do you know what I'll say instead? Mysterium goes up to eight players. Do you know Mysterium? I feel like there's a copy of Mysterium in this house somewhere. Uh, you look like you recognize it. <laughs> I feel like it's in one of the bookshelves. Yeah. Is Mysterium I, I, I don't know if I've played it, but it's there. Yeah. It's one of those ones I was going to mention earlier, actually, when you were talking about Cluedo, because it's, um, it's essentially Cluedo, but like slightly different, um, where like one of you is a ghost and you're uh using these like really pretty um picture cards to like you give them to players who are there and they're psychics and they're trying to figure out how someone died where they died and what weapon they died is that right um and uh or who killed them where they were killed and and what the weapon was used and the ghost is like communicating to them with these picture cards but they're like really abstract pictures so they're supposed to be like dreams like these dreams are coming through them oh. and they have to like um yeah decipher them and then try and figure out what the ghost means with the cards they've been given um and it you know there's like a certain amount of time that you can play uh before you have to figure it out and stuff so, so if you like the kind of cluedo um it's a bit puzzly i guess and it's semi-co-op because you're all working together but there is people who win more so than others you can win more than others which again yes i'm a big fan of even a little bit of winning perfect yeah. Yeah. a little a little winning a little bit of winning yeah yeah those are recommendations Ooh. i hope those are useful they're amazing, they're amazing. i've yeah. they're wide spanning and probably new to lots of people as well I like so. yeah. like secret secret well, board game easy to get as well i feel like i see ticks ride everywhere any kind of yeah i've suggested mostly like there. quite mainstreamy yeah, yeah. gateway games that i think you should have access to fairly fairly easily mm. i would say oh cool so Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Please plug your stuff. Where can people please find you? Please plug your stuff. Your stuff? Oh, yeah. okay. Send well, our people your way. <laughs> if you want to see uh, more of, or I guess, yeah, see see me, um, I am on YouTube. I work for Dicebreaker. Uh, that's all like tabletop content. So we do RPGs and board games, reviews, playthroughs, all that kind of things. Uh, I'm actually bringing out a video quite soon about where I visit all the Monopoly streets in London. Um, so you can check all that kind of stuff out. I'm also on Twitch as Board Game Yogi, uh, where I play video games mostly, because um, I'm not allowed to play board games because that's my day job. Uh, but I also do like lots of <laughs> other things, like I do IRL streams where I walk around places, um, and I am a bit of a weirdo. Uh, but I'm Board Game Yogi pretty much anywhere: Twitter, Instagram, you name it. Board Game Yogi, yeah. Cool, yeah. Sarah. Where can we find you? Oh, Alan, I'm in my house. Um, <laughs> I'm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Grifsky if you're interested in zines um, patreon forward slash zine club and uh, my books are in all good bookstores how about you I, I am Alan underscore McGuire everywhere Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter Juvenalia pod on Instagram uh, we have a Patreon mm -hmm. uh, slightly neglected we are definitely getting on that sorry to ah, yeah. who is a Patreon it's, it's been yeah I'm going to yeah. make Alan watch Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's yeah, great. I've got an, I got a haircut today, so new Patreon content will follow. I'm <laughs> length of hair correlates to bad Patreon. The content. world is coming back. We're gonna yeah, yeah. we're gonna talk more video games for Patreon. Yeah, uh, thank you, Dean McDonald, for our artwork. Thank, thank you to Cassie Blaney and everybody at Tall Tales Happy. for being our podcast network. And thank you again to Alex Oli. Thanks so much. We'll thank see you, you so weeks, much. Everybody. See you Bye. then. Bye. Bye.